please uh, find Matthew chapter 4, we're reading verses 13 through 16, and then on the screen follow along with Luke 4, 31 to 37. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word when you find your place. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shad shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And then from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know you who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits. And they come out. And reports about him went about in every place in the surrounding region. Let's read the word. You may be seated. <coughs> Now, oftentimes, you'll, you'll see different preachers on TV or in churches. I've yet to come across a preacher who claims to be able to cast out demons like Jesus did. Well, very often in our society, we don't even want to acknowledge the fact that there are demons among us. But we, we uh, encounter it here, and we need to um, acknowledge it in our own lives that uh, when, when we go through life, things happen. And sometimes they're not just things happening. They're the things unseen that are going on, and we need to... To acknowledge that. And so as, as we continue with Jesus in, in this, this moment, we, we will uh, take a look a little bit today at um, what, it, what it meant for, for him to be countering demons and what that means for you and I. We don't often think about demons in our life or, or we'll talk about how Satan tempts us to sin and that is accurate and true. But let's talk about of what, what Jesus faced and what you and I face. You know, we, we, we find that Jesus goes to the city named uh, Capernaum. It's, uh, it's, we, we see from the scripture, it is by the sea. It is what we would call a blue-collar town. It had lots of fishermen, craftsmen, laborers, merchants, your everyday uh, type Joes that would work 9 to 5, work their whole life to support their family. These are not men that would get rich off of doing this, but it provided a sustainable way of life to provide for your family. Um, it was near a place called Decapolis, which was uh, meant that there was ten different cities that kind of came together, kind of in, in a melting pot, very similar to Chicagoland suburbs. You know, you don't have to go very far to get to the next city. You know, Aurora's here, Oswego's there, Montgomery, Naperville. There's no really, if you didn't know where the borders were, you wouldn't be able to tell where one town started and another one stopped. And that is how the the, the environment was for Jesus here. You know, Jesus, um, it was common for him and. Uh, uh, to go into the synagogue on the Lord's Day and, and to, to preach wherever he was. We saw last week he did it in his hometown, and now he's going to do it in Capernaum. Very similar to, to many Christians, when we go on vacation, we, we want to be worshiping the Lord on Sunday, so we'll find a church while we're away and worship. Um, and this was a, a common thing. And, and the people had heard about Jesus, and they were getting excited because they knew Jesus was coming. And they knew that he would likely come and, and preach to them. So they wanted to, to hear what he had, had to say. And I'll remind you what, what Jesus said last week in Nazareth. He said, 
Surely you will, you will tell me to, to uh, heal yourself, physician, and do the things you have done in Capernaum, do them here. And so as we acknowledged last week, Jesus has not yet gone to Capernaum, so he is prophesying that he is going to do something great in Capernaum and that the people would be wishing he would do the same thing there. And as we read the text, it says, As he preached, they were amazed. It is a word in the Greek that has a, a sense of shock and panic. You know, when we talk about amazed, I don't think we, we understand, you know, we'll use that word quite a bit, but have you ever been seeing something that shocked you and it, it caused you to panic? Maybe I, I can think of a car accident, we, really a motorcycle accident we witnessed down in Texas. Motorcycle is just going along, and all of a sudden the, the tire blows, and the motorcycle flips, and we see two people literally go flying. We call the pulp. Uh, pull the car over and call the police and things and you have no idea if these people are going to be okay you can't you can't move them because of the neck and head injuries that are going on and just being texas the the rangers showed up quicker than anybody and you know thank god they they, they got the help that they need but you sometimes you see events in your life and it makes you, you're almost frozen in fear and there's kind of the the word that um that luke is getting at here and so we see again that he is one who jesus is one who's preaching with real authority when he preaches, he, he is preaching as if he is God because he is God. Amen. And so when he preaches with authority, he is preaching um, as the, the word of God. He, he is preaching to the people that he has authority in, in what he says, that he is not to be questioned. Amen. In the next several weeks, we'll, we'll see the different gospel writers go over this theme of authority. Jesus sets up this theme that he has authority over the demons. He has a authority to preach the gospel. He has authority over the kingdom. He has authority over the Sabbath day. You'll see over and over again that Jesus is establishing who he is to reveal to the world that he is the Messiah. So if I were to talk about people being demonically possessed, how would you feel about that? Make you a little uncomfortable? In our Western scientific mind, we don't even like that knowledge that there's demons, let alone people that are being possessed. But I, I want to talk today, and we'll have some slides that kind of give you a little bit of definitions here. But Scripture speaks of four levels of demonic involvement in human temptation. And so I want us to understand um, these four levels. The, the first one should be the most obvious, um, is that there's at times no involvement. That the sin that we commit is self-inflicted. This is a giving into the flesh of our own sinful nature. Let us not go around every time we sin saying, the devil made me do it. Because the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. You're responsible to God for your sin. When you continually give in to your sinful desires, what the flesh wants, the, the pleasurable things of this life that, that God forbids, you're going to understand that you are committing this sin. Scripture makes it clear that temptations may come from our sinful nature without demonic intervention. In such cases, our sin nature takes a natural desire. One that is off, off, often good when it it occurs in moderation within God's defined limits, but turns it into something evil. In addition to our sin natures, the persuasion of the world system of thinking can lead us to sin without direct demonic involvement. There are people today, we talk about different political issues. We talk about homosexuality, we talk about abortion, we talk, talk about women's rights, various things. These things are good and healthy to talk about on their own, but there are times when when just talking about these can create an anger in us so much that brings us to sin, or where we justify certain actions. You know, a, a Christian should never justify the, the death of the unborn, the, the murder of children. That, that is never acceptable. Amen. We should never justify sexual immorality, pornography, all these kinds of things 
that, that are horrible. But there are people who will stand up and say they're Christians and say that these things are okay. That is heresy and that is sinful. So as we go on, the, the next one that I think we see most often in our lives is demonic temptation. We can go back to the garden. We think of Eve. She was demonically tempted by Satan. Satan didn't force her to take that fruit, but he presented her with that temptation. And she should have said no. Adam should have been there telling her to say no, but they didn't. They, they saw that the, the fruit was appealing for the eye and provided them the, the knowledge of good and evil, and so they partook and broke the commandment of God and sinned. Demonic temptation is this. This is when Satan and his forces tempt us to sin, usually using our own weaknesses we have revealed of ourselves. We talked about that first one, no involvement. When you're, get, when you're having no involvement from the demonic entities and you're giving into your fleshly desires, what are you doing? You're like a baseball pitcher who's getting ready to wind up and throw and you're tipping your pitches so they know what's coming. They, they know what your weakness is. So when, when you sin and you give in to the temptations of your fleshly desire, you're saying, you're, a light bulb's going off above Satan's head, say, I know how to attack him. I know what to tempt him with, what they are weak at. And if you notice, Satan will use the same tactic over and over and over again in, in your whole life. Why? Because it works, because you're weak there. And until you surrender that over to God and say, God, help me a sinner. I need help with this. He's going to continue to use that over and over and over again. You know, scripture speaks of the second category of temptation, that it's demonic in origin. Christ was tempted directly by Satan in the wilderness. Likewise, we see in the book of Acts, Ananias was tempted by Satan to lie. What happens to Ananias? He's struck down dead. It is no small thing to lie to God. Do not give in to the temptations of the devil. It never works out for us. He incited David to take a census in Israel. Taking a census in and of itself is not wrong, but for the reasons David did it, it was wrong. You can see scriptures over and over again. We need to be reminded, as we'll remind the men's group, of Ephesians chapter 6 tells us how to defeat this temptation by putting on the full armor of God. We must be equipped and, and ready for this warfare that we deal with. <coughs> it's likely that yielding to one's sinful human impulses provides an opening for, for this demonic temptation. So you and I, when, when we, are, we are being tempted, we need to turn to prayer. We need to turn to the Word of God. We need to turn to our brothers and sisters and say, Help me, I'm being tempted. Pray with me. It is no small thing. The wages of sin are death. Satan has one desire, to destroy you. He has no desire to see you bring glory to God, to see you come closer to God. He wants to destroy you and your families. He wants to destroy any possible ministry opportunities you have with your co-workers, with your neighbors. Understand that we are at war, even if you want to acknowledge it or not. The world will tell you there is no such thing as these demons. There is no such thing as God or the devil, the angels. They say that the only thing in this world is what you can see and touch, what you could measure scientifically. But there is so much more that, that we cannot measure scientifically that the Bible speaks of that, that we must be aware of. When we look at David, when he does the census, we see that his pride is what uh, Satan uses. And pride is something that we that often will be used, in, where Satan will say, you know, you deserve better than what you're getting. That you should you should do this to, to make up for, you know, not being respected or not being paid what you think you deserve or, or various types of things that, that Satan will, will offer you. 
You know, when, when you're feeling that, we need to stop and say, is this of God? Would God want me acting this way? Would He want me giving in to this temptation? James tells us really clearly that God never tempts any man. Amen. You have never been tempted by God. To say so would be to accuse God of something he's not capable of. God will put you to a test. And there's a, a difference in these. Temptation will bring about sin. But a test will bring about faith. Amen. Amen. And so this is the way we distinguish. Is this of God or is this of Satan? So whatever you may be going through at this moment right now, I cannot answer that for you, but you can. Is this thing you're going through going to require you to have faith to get through it? If so, then it is a test, and it is, it is for your own good, so that that faith will increase, that patient endurance will increase, that character will be built up, so that you, you can become more and more like Christ. But on the other hand, if it's to, to lower yourself and enter into sin, it is not of God. It is, it is of Satan and his demons. And it is to bring you low, destroy you, destroy the, the ministry that you may have, destroy the testimony that you have in other people's lives. You know, in, in churches, oftentimes, well, people will talk about how do you grow a church. And all the studies say churches grow by new believers, not the ones that have been in church for years. Why? Because people recognize the change in the new believers. Most people that know me now, most of you know me, that, that I'm a pastor and I'm a Christian, they expect me to live a good life. But when they see that transformational change, that's when people go, whoa, what, what's going on there? I saw it with my wife many years ago, and that's what what got me to pay attention to the gospel. So I'd have you consider, how are you living your life? Are you giving in to temptation? Do you recognize when the devil is trying to bring you low? Do you recognize when God is trying to produce a greater faith in you? These are important, because if you do not recognize these, these next two will should scare the hell out of you. But you won't be able to recognize them in your own life if you can't recognize temptation. Temptation is, is key here. The next one is demonic oppression. Demonic oppression is this. This is where demonic persons are attempting to inflict their will on lives of humans. It, it usually goes unnoted for long periods of time. We can summarize what the Bible speaks of regarding manifestations of demonic oppression. As blindness and hardness of the heart toward the gospel, apostasy and doctoral corruption, and indulging in sinful, defiling behavior. And scripture also mentions that Demonic oppression can result in physical illness. So the, this is where the demons are literally attacking you. We, we see this in scripture with Peter. Jesus tells Peter on, on that, that night that Jesus is arrested. Right after Peter says, I will never deny you. And Jesus says, this very night you're going to deny me three times. For Satan is seeking to sift you as wheat. Peter was the target. Satan was after Peter. And what do we see? We see that he gives in. And he denies his Lord three times. We see another time where, where Peter's trying to stop Jesus from going to the cross. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. Jesus immediately recognizes what is going on in Peter's life. There's other, other places where, where we see a heavy influence of Satan and the demons on a person's life. And you may recognize it in someone's life around you. How, how Satan is trying to use them to, to hurt, to, to destroy Oftentimes we'll, we'll look at and talk about the, the gospel. Is a person's heart open to the gospel? That is a sign that they are not being demonically oppressed. The demons do not want you to believe. They will try to make you believe that the gospel is foolishness, that this isn't actually the word of God. 
Understand their, their end game is to stop you from going to Christ, to stop you from being saved. And I, I want to give you some hope. Demonic oppression is the heaviest form of persecution a believer will ever face. We'll, we'll talk about possession in just a moment. But you as a believer, as a Christ follower, cannot be possessed by a demon if you, you have Christ in you, if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, if you have truly been born again. Because there's no vacancy. The Spirit is not going to share His temple with the demons. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, if there's any reason to become born again, to give your life to Christ, to, to beyond saving your soul, it is a great weapon against the fight against the demons. The demons are, are very good at what they do. They don't want to be noticed. Uh, there's a, a, a man that we'll meet very soon in scriptures that was an epileptic. And, and Jesus um, casts out the demon from him. And so to many in that world, they would have looked at him and said, well, he's just got seizures. He has epilepsy. It's something I suffer from. I've been falsely accused of being demon-possessed because of my epilepsy. There are some, some weird people out there, I'll admit it. But what we see, what they often will try to do is disguise themselves so that they can't, they can't be noticed. And so we, we see this with, with Jesus, the, this, this man that is possessed in this passage today, he casts him out immediately, and the people are, are in shock. They're, they're, they're frozen with fear. They don't know what to do. Jesus has just cast out a demon in their very presence. What does this mean? That he just doesn't preach with authority, but he has authority over the demons. Amen. This can't just be a prophet. What prophet has authority over spiritual realms? The one who is God, Amen. who is the Messiah. So as we go on to demon possession... This is when an individual has been taken over by a demonic entity. There are usually signs that precede this event, characteristics that draw demons like a magnet. I want you to think about your life and if you have any of these things present, because you're drawing unwanted attention to yourself. There are moral compromise, such as involvement in the occult or witchcraft, nurturing bitterness or hatred, persistent sexual sin or giving in to fleshly desires often. Family involvement in the occult, physical and sexual assaulting of others, including incest, rape, molesting, and violence, and especially exposure to satanic rituals. These type of events, Satan realizes you are the type of person that he can use greatly. And so he, he wants to take you over. When we, we see various forms of people possessed. We see this person in the scripture today is possessed. We see the, the, really, the man that has supernatural strength um, that Jesus will cast cast the demons out and throw them into a herd of swine. And they go flying over. And he says, there are a legion in me. You know, so what we learn here is that it isn't always that a person is possessed by a single demon. A legion means a thousand. And so that this person has a thousand demons. And later on, Jesus warns us, be careful of casting out this demon, for if, if you do not change your heart, he's going to go out in the wilderness and get seven more that are stronger than him and take you back over and you'll be far worse than you were before. We are in a real spiritual battle. Amen. You may not realize it. You may think the things in life that are just happening are just random happenstance circumstances. We see things that, that tell us that there's possession, that there's especially um, demon uh, oppression going against us, making us sick. It's no doubt that there's been so many here that have, have had cancer. God is doing a mighty work here, and the devil is trying to stop it. We see with Job... That the devil is able to hurt his children. The devil is able to inflict boils upon Job. And it's all within God's sovereignty. God says, you are not allowed to what? To kill Job. 
But Job goes through all manners of, of this spiritual battle. And it is, it is both a, a temptation to Job to deny God, but also a test of his faith. Now, I, I don't want you to pretend that everything you're going through is like Job is going through. I don't think there's anyone here who has gone to the extreme that Job has gone to. And praise God, we don't have to. That, that is a godly man of faith who went through unbelievable circumstances. But understand your day-to-day -day life, there's going to be things that are demonically happening to you. Because why? Because you're involved in church. You're a born-again Christian. You're proclaiming the good news of the gospel. The number one reason that demonic oppression happens in Scripture is ministry. If you're proclaiming the Word of God, if you, if you are telling the world that there is hope beyond this earth, you're going to get the devil's attention. He has no desire for you to proclaim what you're proclaiming, for you to give hope to others. But it's what we are called to do. We are called to allow ourselves to, to face that persecution, that oppression from this world and from the... <coughs> the spiritual beings of this world. We know in, in this world and, and in this, this time that this world is ruled by Satan, the principalities of the air. And so we should expect to be battling these principalities. We should not expect life to just go wonderful and our bank accounts to be filled up and our health always to be great and our cars never to, be to, to break down and our roofs never to leak. That is, that is not life. That is definitely not Christian life. You should expect the devil to show up. Amen. And you should recognize when he shows up. Because how do you beat back the devil? I'll test your knowledge of the armor of God. What is the one weapon you get to beat back the devil? It is the word of God. You, you can go through that list. Everything else is defensive. There's one thing to attack back. Now I want you to think about, about the many things we face in this world. Over, over in Syria, they did horrible things to their people. And they will continue to do horrible things to their people as long as the people only have weapons to defend themselves. The, the world stood up and said no more and, and performed the attack that they performed this week. It makes people think twice and say, hey, if I attack someone, I am going to be attacked back. And it is the word of God that we're able to attack back at Satan with. There's nothing else that you have that he's really afraid of. You have two things, the Word of God and prayer. Because you can pray to the one that has sovereignty over him. You can pray to the one who says, be silent, come out of him, Jesus Christ, and they must leave. They don't have an option. But I, I wanna, want us to be real clear that, that when we're encountering people that are demon-possessed, uh, you know, we, we don't talk about in Baptist circles too much exorcism. But if people are, are demon-possessed, and they don't want to be free from the demons. You're asking for trouble going there. You're asking to be attacked by the demons. Because that person is that person saying, you'll cast them out, but seven more will come because they have that desire. There's a lure that, that Satan offers. He offers things short-term. It's never a good long-term contract. Worse than loan sharks. And so you and I, we... We need to be prayed up. We, we need to be ready for the battle. Amen. The problem is too many of us roll out of bed. We don't say our prayers. We're not in the Word. We're not ready for battle. We're going out into a war field each and every day mm -hmm. naked. No sword, no helmet, no armor. We're just going out there and expecting like, no way that Satan's going to attack me. And those, 
those swords he pierces are going to attack me. He's going to lure us with those temptations. And the moment we give in to the temptations, what is he going to do to you? He's going to go before your father and accuse you of the sinner that you are. Saying, see, he has denied your word again. He says he believes your word, but every chance he gets, he goes against your word. So what are we going to do? Are we going to be people that take God's word serious? Why is Jesus able to cast them out? He is the word. He is the authority. He is the one who is sovereign. When he speaks, the world comes into existence. When he tells a demon to get out, it has to flee. Matthew 28, what does Jesus say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I now send you. And he tells you, you can cast demons out by his authority, which he has bestowed upon us that believe. But too many of us, we forget about that. We look at life and we want to get angry and, and blame each other, blame politics, and blame the leaders in, in our, our, our lives that this is happening, that is happening. We need to take back our worldly eyes and, and see with spiritual eyes. Pray as Elisha did that his servant's eyes would be open to the demonic warfare that was all around as these people were coming. God sent his angels. And when Elisha prayed that prayer, his, his servant went from fear to great faith because why? He saw the thousands of angels that were all around Elisha. Amen. Understand, we serve a great and mighty God. Amen. As Martin Luther said, Satan is this. He's a pit bull in God's yard on a chain. He can't do anything that God doesn't allow him to do. And so when God's people says, this is bound on earth, God says it is bound in heaven. You have that authority through Christ. But few, if any of us, actually take that authority out. We hear about demons and we tremble. Demons tremble at the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Do you not profess the name of Jesus? Then they will tremble at, at your presence. But if we keep giving in to temptation, they will see us as a weak, easy target. I would rather, much rather in my entire life go through life and being oppressed than tempted. Because that temptation is going to lead to, to sin and to disappointing God. While that oppression means that I am living for God and, and Satan is recognizing that we as this church are living for God and you as families are living for God. And that if he doesn't try to slow us down, that revival will come. A great awakening will come. That what we proclaim about Satan is going to happen. That Jesus Christ will take us home. That Jesus Christ will return and defeat him forever. And he will be thrown into the lake of fire which burns for all eternity. Amen. That is what we are to proclaim to this world. Amen. Those that, that want to give in and, and be about the occult and Satan. He, he is the loser of all losers. He at once was, was up in heaven in the throne room of God, in the presence of God, called an angel of light in, in, in God's very presence when he was worshipped. And he has fallen so low that he is now on this earth. And time will soon come where he will not even be here. He will be cast away forever, no longer able to, to wage war against God and his people. No longer able to do those things. Amen. So you and I, when we read this, we should not be astonished that Jesus has authority over the demons. As the people were astonished. What should astonish us is people who claim to be, be followers of God are astonished that the Messiah has such authority. They should read the scriptures and know that Jesus is the one who he claims to be. 
I can think of no one else in history who has cast out demons outside of a true born-again Christian. All over the world, they deal with demonic entities. Well, we in our West, we're so blinded to the spiritual realities of our world, we don't see it. But talk to missionaries that have gone to third world countries. They not only see it, it is a day-to-day -day activity. And it comes about because people are, are, uh, are aware of the spiritual world and they're involved in ancestry worship and they're afraid of demons. They, they offer sacrifices to demons. They're giving a, an open door to allow demons into their lives. And it's not until the missionary comes and proclaims the gospel and, and casts this ridiculous demonic activity out of their lives do they see freedom. So I have you reflect on your own life. Where, where, are, you, where are you dealing with right now? Are you the one that has no demonic activity, but you keep calling into sin because your own fleshly desires? I tell you, you need to crucify your flesh. Give it over to God. Come down to the altar in just a moment and surrender your life to Christ. That is the only way you're ever going to conquer that. As Jesus said to Peter, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it will remain to be weak until we put it to death. Now, the one I expect us all should recognize temptation. You know what your weaknesses are, far better than I do. But you know who knows your weaknesses just as well as you do? Probably even better? It's Satan. He is looking to get you to tempt, tempt you, looking to cause you to sin. Because there's no greater way for him to, to hurt God than to hurt you. He wants to bring you low. He wanted Job to deny God. There's, there's many people I look back in my my Christian walk from the time I first believed till now, there, there's especially men that I really looked up to, I, I saw as kind of heroes in my faith walk. And nearly all of them have fallen. Because they've given in to sin. I've seen deacons leave their wives and marry, marry other women. I've seen people deny God. How is this possible when we think about this? It's because the, Satan has tempted them. He's oppressed them. And instead of turning to God and turning to the Word that would beat back this, this attack, they allowed it fester day in and day in and day in. They allowed those lies to say, God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really care for you. You're not good enough. You'll never be nothing. Those are all lies from Satan. You are good enough. You are worthy because Christ has died for you. Amen. You are covered in the blood. Can there ever be anything to stop that blood. It repels Satan. Like the offspray repels mosquitoes. There is, there is nothing Satan can do to touch you. He can't possess you. All he can do is try to hurt you and hurt the ones he loves. Hoping that in your despair you would cry out and curse God. But what you should do instead of cursing is cry out and seek God for your help. He will be there. He will be your rock. He will be your shelter. He is your righteousness. There's nothing Satan can do to you, Christian. That's why he has to tempt you. Satan can only get you to hurt yourself. He can't take a gun and put it to your head and pull the trigger. He can't stop me from preaching the gospel. No more than he could stop you from going out in this neighborhood and your family and communities and workplaces and share the gospel. It is only us, when we give in to that temptation, that, that could, could stop it. So whether you're the run-of-the-mill sinner, as we all are, or you're being demonically tempted or oppressed or even possessed, 
With a single word of command, Christ can set you free. Amen. So the question I have for everyone here, whether you've been a Christian more longer than I have or you have yet to make that step of faith, do you want to be set free? Amen. I'm not in the business of sending free people who don't want to be free. I'm in the business of giving you hope with the gospel, which will set you free if you place your faith in Christ. Amen. A day is soon coming where where God is, is going to come back to this world, where Christ will come back. And he's like a grand auditor. Have you ever been involved in a business when it's being audited? It's not real fun, but what happens? You get all these, these people that swoop in and look at all, the, all your records. You can ask Trump's uh, lawyer about this, what happens. They swoop in without you knowing. They take all your records and they comb through it and see what they can find. They're looking for dirt, is what they're looking for. They're looking for something to accuse you with. One day Christ is going to return and he's going to open up your books and he's going to see if you had faith when you went through testing. He's going to see if you fell into temptation each and every time Satan showed up. Or even worse, if, if you fell into temptation on your own because of your sinful flesh. He's going to see, did he trust and, and place his faith in me? Did he believe that I would save him? If you have, you will be saved. And you will enter in the kingdom. But if you're over here trying to do it by yourself, saying, I'll get through this, I'll do it somehow... He's going he's gonna to look and say, get away from me. I never knew you. Could there be anything more harsh to hear from a person you claim is Lord? Ultimately, you, your, your faith will be shown by your deeds. A lack of good fruit shows a lack of repentance. Are we going to, re, to repent and have our faith in Christ? Or are we just going to feel sorry about it and have our faith in ourselves and say, well, I'm not going to do that next time. You will. You'll do it over and over again until you surrender to God. So I encourage anyone, if, if you want to be set free this day, come down when we play that, that last song. I would love to pray with you, as I've said a thousand times. There's not magic in the words. It's in the repentance of your heart. Do you want to trust God today? Do you want to be free of this demonic oppression and, and possession and this temptation that Satan throws at us? God offers us the way in his word. But you could only be free from that if you desire to be free. God desires to set you free. He says, I have come to set you free. If the Son set you free, you are free indeed. But the people of his day said, we have never been slaves to anyone. What happened there? They didn't want to be free. They refused to recognize that they were slaves to the, their enemy, Satan. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord Jesus, I give you thanks for this day. I give you thanks for the many blessings in our lives, Lord. I, I pray wholeheartedly, Lord, if there's any here who's being oppressed, that you would set them free. Send your holy angels to, to bind the demons and to cast them away forever. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, that desires to be set free, Lord, you'd have them come down and, and receive you, Lord God. <coughs> And show them the way that they can beat back the attacks of our enemy. And how we all can bring you glory in this day. In your holy name, Jesus. Amen.